Hello, my name is Janelle, and welcome to the Genuinely Janelle podcast. I believe everyone's stories, including my own, matters. Stories help me gain a better understanding of myself, the world, and connects me with other people. So I hope through the stories of my life and the conversations I have with others, you will one day find the confidence and courage in your voice to share your story. Now, let's hear a story. Hi everyone, my name's Natalie Jadwin. I have been friends with Janelle for years now. We met when I was a sophomore in college and now I'm 23, so it's been a while. <laughs> Ride or die right here. Woo. My interests are, I like woodworking, plants, and my cat, and that's about it. Oh, yeah. and video games. Natalie is such a DIY queen. Yeah, that was a quarantine hobby I picked up. I now own a power drill oh and an electric sander. <laughs> to be fair, I only ever use the drill to hang plants, but you know, it's still something. At least I'm doing it safely and like making sure it's not going to rip my wall apart. Yeah, you're definitely someone who I'm going to go to if I need uh, power tools, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I've lived in the house that I'm currently in right now since 2019 and not until recently have I hung up three shelves, a mirror, a painting, a jewelry organizer, three other shelves for some <laughs> more plants, like any type of storage for plants. I just keep adding to my room. I'm just looking around my room right now because that's where we are. And I'm like, everything I've done. And so, the bookshelf too, right? You and your dad made the bookshelf? Yeah, I made a bookshelf. I need to put some doors on it because my cat, Luna, I love her. <laughs> She's my best friend, but I have a bunch of records. I was really into collecting records in high school. And a lot of them are these obscure bands that probably nobody listens to, but I love. <laughs> And I don't want to rebuy the record. And one for this band called Bad Sons that, oh my gosh, I still love. And that record came out when I was in high school. So it's old. And she chewed it up. Not like the physical record, but the packaging for it. And it's just like, I know she doesn't mean any harm. She's like the sweetest little bean, but she has really strong teeth, I guess. Wait, so that's why it's covered right now? Mm -hmm. I have just like a scarf over it. And then my brother, he gave me Michelle Obama's book to read. It's still sitting in my bookshelf. And she knocked it out. She like pulled it out and started chewing on it and I'm like not Michelle <laughs> anyway what a tangent that's okay that's gonna be my like precursor to this episode I go on a lot of tangents when I tell stories I branch off into other stories and never finish the first one so apologies in advance for that and we're also gonna be touching on some triggering topics mm -hmm. including suicide and if any of that sounds like it could be too much for you guys listening feel free to skip this one I will take no offense sometimes it's hard to hear sometimes it's hard to talk about but it's important to talk about mm -hmm. and I will also be speaking from a very privileged point of view I have a lot of resources in life to lean on when it comes to mental health and to make sure I'm getting the care that I need and I know that not everyone has that I can only speak from my own experience and recommend something that I've done to make myself feel better but I completely understand if it sounds unreasonable to some people I hope I don't offend anyone like I said I'm speaking from my own experience I try to be as politically correct and kind as possible but you know yeah. my way or the highway <laughs> 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 what I like about Natalie is Natalie is very open and honest about her life and her story but then you do recognize your privileges and you also check in with people to see if they have the energy to listen you know like in our friendship it's just kind of like hey can I talk to you or do you have the mental capacity to yeah. hear me out this is kind of the disclaimer that we're giving to you all like what Natalie said there's going to be a lot of stuff that's triggering but if it is triggering for you you can either skip this episode entirely or like take a step <laughs> back and like you know 
press pause. You don't have to listen to the entire episode in one go. Like, take care of yourself as you listen to this episode because Natalie and I did a lot of self-care prior to this episode. Yeah, because everything I'm going to talk about was honestly going on in my whole life, but especially 2019. So it's been a long time since I went through this and I feel like a different person since then. So yeah, if you ever feel triggered, just put on a black pink song, step back, <laughs> do a little dance that always makes me feel better. Then you can come back or not. Completely up to you. First, I'll start with how Janelle and I met. That has nothing to do with the talk of suicide, by the way. That's fine. Love we, Janelle. We just we just have to <laughs> ease their way into our dynamic of friendship. Yeah, there how we go. got here. So in college, a friend of mine from freshman year was in a sorority and my friend's big was Marielle McKinney. She was on this podcast before. A good friend of mine. I miss her so much. She's across the pond in England. Yeah. <laughs> living what I hope is her best life. And she got me the job 100%. Like everyone who got hired in my year knew somebody who worked there. Janelle's little brother started working there when I started working there. Yeah, everyone knew somebody at that point. And it was just really scary for me. I dealt with a lot of anxiety in college and starting anything new, I would be sent into a panic really easily, but try to keep it internal. Because yeah, I'm at work. I it, Even though it was on my college campus and I felt, you know, young and free and independent in college, I, it was still my place of work. And I wanted to impress my boss and my other coworkers and do a really good job. But my first night working there, I was <laughs> promised oh that gosh. a seasoned front desk assistant would be with me for my first week. In my first shift, I was by myself. And it was a very simple job looking back on it. But it's like, if you're going into a new job and you have no one there to help you, what are they doing? And I think I was texting Marielle the entire time. And I'm like, how do I type in a red ID? How do I do all this and that and the other? And over time, I got my bearings a little bit better and got to know Janelle just as my coworker. And little did I know, she was a part of this organization on campus that she has mentioned before called Alpha Phi Omega. And all those people would come to hang out at the office. So I met a lot of them and she was their president. And that's a big deal. <laughs> but to, to me, she's just like my friend and my coworker. And we just started talking more and hanging out more. And during the spring semester of my sophomore year, her and my other coworker, Angela Wu, who also is an APO, Angela didn't even give me an option. She was just like, you're pledging. Yeah, and I'm like, and I was like, I don't even know what this is. Like, what do you mean I'm pledging? Like, I already tried being in a business fraternity. I didn't like it. I stopped doing that and was just intended to go through college, just making friends however I could, not with organizations or in clubs or anything. And like I said, Angela didn't really give me a choice. So I showed up to rush week. I remember I was recovering from a double ear infection. I'd never been that sick in my entire life, but I had to go and impress all of these people who I'd never met before. And like I said, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety in college. I remember there was a week where I didn't eat anything because I was so anxious all the time and I didn't feel good. I had to force myself to talk to all of these strangers and somebody who ended up being a pledge parent for me, she told me that she would seek me out at pledge events because also I was one of the only white people. It's like that clear. <laughs> I stood out. Oh so she would seek me out at different pledging or um, not pledging events, rush events because I looked like lonely and like nobody would talk to me and I looked Aww. awkward, which she's very blunt like that. I love her. She was a great pledge parent through my experience. I thought that was so funny. I really thought I was putting on my best face. I guess I wasn't. <laughs> So yeah, I pledged and joined and just grew closer with Janelle as we figured out our priorities in life because she's a year older than me or maybe two years older than me, but she graduated before me. Mm -hmm. So I, she was like an older sister I never had, like really taught me a lot about priorities, whether that be with APO or just in my personal life. And seeing the struggles she went through made me feel more comfortable with the struggles I was going through and being open about it. And that kind of set the tone for when I needed somebody to rely on when I was hit 
hitting my lowest low with mental health. And that was in 2019. And I just started a new position and it's already worlds different than my first job out of college. I was really lucky where I had a full-time job lined up as soon as I graduated, but it was with a giant conglomerate and I was a very small fish in a big pond. (laughs) And it's cool to say you work for one of those big companies, but I've never felt so unimportant in my life. (laughs) Read sweet. I know how you feel. Like Janelle and I have both been in the same position. It's Again, Janelle just was my example in life. She told me that for a job that she got was through LinkedIn. A recruiter reached out to her. Yeah. And so I made a LinkedIn. We love LinkedIn. Anything Janelle does, I do. Oh, God. And a recruiter found me and that's how I got my first job. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. So I want to start talking about my mental health journey. Yeah. So growing up, I was definitely a tomboy. I have two older brothers. I was around guys all my life. I was just like one of the boys. But then as you get older, you start to like become aware of who you are physically and I remember I was playing on the playground in elementary school and I'm a very judgy person I have been since day one and oh my god I was so mean I would think like does that girl know like like, her teeth are really crooked or does that boy know those cargo shorts are ugly like I know that's mean but that's how I would think oh yeah girl from day one you're you're savage like whoa I would just think it I would never say that but then I realized I was like oh my god people could think that about me oh I had never been aware of that before, that the judgment of other people was always there. Mm -hmm. And that's just how life is. Like, I had to learn to not care what other people think. But having two older brothers, when we would fight, I couldn't physically hurt them because I've always been short. (laughs) But I could verbally hurt them, but they would just give it right back to me. And I deserved it. But when they start commenting on how you look physically, it starts to stick. And I didn't have the self-confidence to say like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Like I've always been plus sized my whole life. And it took a toll on me mentally, just like being young and wanting boys to like me. And I mean, I had a boyfriend in fifth grade. I'm going to (laughs) flip my hair for that. I don't know why, but um, this is me going on a tangent again. (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. But it was like the self-confidence thing and not wanting to try new things because I was afraid I'd have to put myself in a situation where I would like physically look awkward or like sweaty or out of breath or something. And so I missed out on a lot of fun opportunities. When I was starting high school, I switched from a public school education to a private school education and it was an all-girls school. I went there because a friend of mine from middle school who was a year older than me went there and I wanted to go to school with her. But honestly, like deep down the reason I went and I'm gonna this is an exclusive for Janelle's podcast (laughs) and anyone who's listening I chose this school because I knew that they didn't have PE and gym class and locker rooms because middle school it was really hard seeing all these like really pretty girls just it was kind of weird they would like literally just walk around in their underwear and I think I don't care how confident you are I'm like we're 12 years old like we're 13 (laughs) years old why are you doing this like we're still kids what are we doing yeah it was just like really weird for me and it made me feel really uncomfortable and I didn't want to put myself through that for another I don't know four years at the public school Mm -hmm. and I told my parents like oh I really want to go to this all-girls school it was the cheapest private school in the area I knew how much the tuition cost and I also ended up going to the cheapest college out of my brothers just saying (laughs) um it all balanced out 
But I chose a school because I was just so afraid of putting myself, like I said earlier, in a position where I would look physically awkward or bad. And that's not a good reason to choose a school. But luckily, one of my best friends to this day, I'm going to say her name anyway, Miley Mann. I love her with all my heart. She's like another sister I never had. Um, She went to that school and we knew each other growing up because we played softball together and her dad was one of my coaches and her little sister played with us. And then we grew apart. We went on different teams and didn't see each other for years so technically I've known her since third grade but we reconnected when we were 14 in high school at this private all-girls school and she's been my best friend ever since but the reason I went to this private school was for a different girl who is a year older than me and I still had all that anxiety and unknown depression at the time and when I was 14 I tried out for the high school softball team that was the sport I played all my life and I was pretty good at it but it got to a point where my skill was kind of plateauing I wasn't getting any better and people would tell me I was good all the time but I didn't believe them and if you don't believe in yourself and whatever you're doing you will fail Mm -hmm. that's just a given because if you already have this expectation for yourself that you're not good at something that just translates into everything in life and I would tell myself like oh I'm not good at batting I can never hit it as hard as I want to or as far as I want to I can't throw hard anymore blah 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 I was so negative It was exhausting. And I broke my finger during tryouts when I was playing for a travel team. So not actually during tryouts for high school. Mm -hmm. It was with a travel team that I was doing at the same time. And I took that as my out. Um, It was the sixth time I've broken a finger with softball. That's always my fun fact is that I can say my alphabet backwards. (laughs) And I've broken a finger on six different occasions. And... I took that as my out. I was like, I don't have to do this anymore. I can quit. And my parents were okay because I was my I would I'm sorry, parents. You're probably gonna listen to this. I lied to you a lot. Oh my god. Just like in fear <laughs> of being honest with myself even. Mm-hmm. I just told them I wasn't interested anymore and like I was tired of breaking my finger, but it's like I didn't have any confidence in myself getting better. And again, putting myself out there where I could physically look awkward. That was always the baseline for these things. So I quit softball and while I was growing up. I also did music lessons, so I would play piano. And as I got a little bit older, I started singing while playing piano. And then I got too scared to put myself out there. So I quit piano. I quit singing. I quit everything. And so I didn't have anything to do after school. I would like come home, eat goldfish, take a nap, do my homework, eat dinner, go to bed. And I would stay up to like three in the morning reading or something. That was like my only escape was just reading, which is good for me now because I know a lot of big words. But (laughs) um, at the time, I wasn't getting enough social interaction. And when I was around 16 or 17, the friend of mine who was a year ahead of me was in her senior year and they have this senior retreat. I forget what it's called. It was a weird name. Um, But she came back and made all these new friends because I was her best friend, but I wasn't in the same grade as her. So I was never in any of her classes. And then she finally had this new core group of friends in her grade. Greta was her senior year and they were going to be graduating soon. But I remember every Thursday night she would come over and we'd watch Vampire Diaries together, the new episode. (laughs) And one time she wasn't really paying attention. She was on her phone. And then during the commercial break, I went on Twitter and she tweeted something like, so sad. I'm not with so-and-so right now. I'm not going to put names out there. And they're still friends to this day. But I looked at her and I'm like, why would you say that? Like, you're hanging out with me. And I took it to heart so much. It kept happening over and over again where she'd pick these new girls over me. And by the way, growing out of friendships is a perfectly natural part of life. Yes. <laughs> I I felt like I didn't have another person to lean on. And Miley was there through all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, Miley has always been my ride or die girl, you know? Yeah. And I totally took her for granted those years. But the older girl was just 
I thought gonna be like my maid of honor one day. Like I thought it was like the end all be all of friends. And the final straw was we bought these tickets to an Ed Sheeran concert. We were so into Ed Sheeran in high school. I somehow convinced myself he was like attractive, (laughs) which he's not gonna listen to this. No offense to him, but like I'm not into it anymore. And and we bought these that day I bought them. And she goes, actually, I can't go. I'm going to go to like Arizona or Colorado with one of her new friends. And I just remember my dad came downstairs and I just hugged him and sobbed and cried because I was like, this friendship is over. Like she's over it. It had just happened too many times. And I just made the executive decision to cut her out of my life. And I remember at her graduation, I went because I got an invitation from a friend of mine from elementary school. Like my whole family was invited to see her graduate. I was not going for the girl that was choosing other people over me Mm -hmm. but then one of her new friends came and found me in the audience and was like can you come back and talk to so-and-so she's really upset she really wants to see you and so I said okay but then it turns out she was lying so-and-so didn't want to see me she didn't ask her to come get me so then it was just really awkward and I was angry and upset and just left I didn't want to ruin her graduation or her experience but I was also very hurt and I was putting myself first and god the summer after my junior year of high school I even remember it it was just like I wouldn't leave my room Mm -hmm. the windows were always shut completely dark full-on depressive episode that's the first one I can remember but then I had to go back to school and so my senior year I started hanging out with Miley a lot more she was definitely the better friend to me just a better influence all we did in high school my mom and I had a conversation about it because she gave me a curfew of 9 30. meanwhile my older brother at my at the age of the time he had a curfew of like 10 30 or 11. total Mm. double standard (laughs) we hate to see it but I'm like mom Miley and I don't even do anything we like watch tv with her mom we make s'mores in their backyard I just don't want to come home yet um (laughs) so I was like a very innocent high schooler I didn't do it I didn't drink I didn't do drugs I didn't do any of that I just had fun with Miley we'd go to concerts all the time in LA and that is the highlight of my high school experience was when I was talking about those obscure bands earlier Mm -hmm. their concert tickets were like 20 30 bucks and I had my license and a car to drive so I'm and I felt confident driving in LA Miley is not a confident driver so what I always a boss drive LA driving oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh because <laughs> my first job in high school when I was 16 was at this restaurant called Lemonade and they had one in my town but for whatever reason they forced training in an LA location so on the weekends when I wasn't at high school I would drive to LA and my parents were so scared <laughs> But I drove a little Jetta, like I could weave in and out of traffic. It was fine. Um, But yeah, that was high school. And so I remember at my high school graduation, just feeling nothing. I like did not care about graduating. I didn't care about going to college. I was just numb. And that, my friends, is a sign of depression. Mm. If you don't feel excitement towards those big life moments, that's just not normal. I should have been proud of finishing. I should have been excited for going to a school that seemed like it would be really fun. Originally, I wanted to go to this private school in Orange County called Chapman. And I got a scholarship and everything because I got pretty good grades in high school, but it was still super, super expensive. And so my parents told me that if I wanted to go there, I needed to apply for a couple scholarships just to cover something. And I had no motivation to do it. And that's how I knew I didn't really want to go there. The only reason I applied is because my extended family lives in Orange County and my cousins are like my built-in best friends. I love them so much. I'm so lucky to have the family that I have. Like I said, I come from a privileged space. (laughs) I have a family who loves me and supports me and I wanted to live where 
where they lived. Because I'm originally from Ventura County, which is an hour and a half north of Orange County. So it's like LA is in between Ventura County and Orange County. Mm-hmm. So they're all pretty close together. But um, I wanted to live there because I grew up away from my grandparents and my cousins. I would hear stories about how my Nana and Papa would like pick up my cousins from school or my oldest cousin would pick up my younger cousin from school. And I always wanted that. But I realized for college, I shouldn't pick a school based off something that's completely unrelated to school (laughs) and so I toured SDSU a family friend of ours was going there and she gave us a walking private tour so I got to see everything and I'm like wow I really like San Diego I could really see myself here and so fall of 2015 I moved to San Diego I remember driving down the 8 freeway (laughs) seeing the San Diego State University sign for the first time and I was so scared but as soon as my parents dropped me off and moved me in I knew I was going to see them the following weekend for the 1989 tour of Taylor Swift so (laughs) glad I went to that and so I stayed the weekend in Orange County with my cousins and we went to the concert in LA but then I really had to take the train home and be by myself and I was so scared and I just remember crying on the train waving bye to my parents and my freshman year of college was just a big ball of anxiety (laughs) and so luckily I made friends right away I think I was just so scared of not making friends that that anxious energy like propelled me forward I was like, I need to make friends. I need to meet people ASAP. And so I started hanging out with people on a different floor than me. I lived on the third floor of my building, but I hung out with people on the fourth floor. So it was kind of nice to have that separation at the end of the night. I could go to my single room. I did not have any roommates because again, I'm a privileged person who doesn't <laughs> want to share rooms with people. And so I hung out with them all the time, but there were these specific girls on our floor that I really wanted to be friends with. Like I thought they were super cool and super fun. And then one night they were were going to hang out and didn't invite me and these other girls I was hanging out with and I took it to heart oh oh my gosh I just remember calling my parents I skipped going to this uh lake that we called Shaver Lake we always go there for vacation I skipped going for whatever holiday is in September Labor Day Memorial Day I think one of those Labor Day (laughs) one of those I skipped going to hang out with my new friends who then didn't hang out with me oh no so I remember (laughs) calling my dad because my mom never answers her phone and he has it on speaker with all of our he answered the phone with all my family friends cousins aunts whoever was there on speaker and everyone's like hi natalie meanwhile i'm crying and i'm like dad can you please take it off speaker mode and he's like oh my god (laughs) it was so dramatic but i was like really hurt yeah. But those girls made a good point. They're like, Natalie, it's not like summer camp. Like, we don't all have to be friends. We just happen to live in the same area right now. But, like, we're not all going to be friends. Because I did talk to them about it. I'm a very confrontational person. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> I did talk to them about it. But I just, God, I sucked at making friends. Because I'd always want more. I would never be appreciative of who's right in front of me. And that started with Miley. And it didn't stop there. Like, I had friends freshman year who I don't even talk to anymore. And that's completely my fault. Because I'd never see how great of people I had in my life until it was too late and that's kind of like a habit I built and it's really shitty and I'm trying to be better about it trying to say I love you to people who matter that's a big growth <laughs> point I actually say that to people now yeah. um and sophomore year of college that's when I met Janelle and joined APM was like super great super happy <laughs> or so I thought I think I was using my newfound friend group in APO because when you pledge you basically get like 25 built-in best friends at the beginning I was using them as like a band-aid over a giant open wound in my brain (laughs) called depression 
And I would leave my apartment at like nine in the morning to go to class and not come back that night until probably midnight, one in the morning. And it's not like I got a bunch of homework. I had a very easy major. I will come out and say it. Journalism, media studies, easy major. <laughs> and it's not like I was in the library doing homework. I was in the library hanging out with people to do like <laughs> while they're doing homework because I was just so excited about these new friends and I never wanted to be by myself. I had serious FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. It was like deep case of the FOMO. Um, but I just never wanted to be by myself because that's when you have to like think and reflect mm-hmm. and realize what's going on in your life. And similarly to when I graduated from high school, when I graduated from college, it was that same numbness where I didn't really care. And I didn't understand why because I never liked school. I went to college because I didn't know what else to do. And I'm glad I did. I met some of the greatest people ever. But I'm like, why do I not care about graduate? This is what I've been waiting for for four years. Like, as soon as I started, I'm like, wow, I can't wait for this to be over. (laughs) I just, I felt nothing. And it was so strange, but I'm like, maybe that's just how people feel about things. Like, I was justifying it, like, maybe it's normal. And I mentioned it earlier, I had a full-time job straight out of college. I started that job in April of 2019, and I graduated in May. So I was starting part-time, went full-time. And when I started working full-time, so that's 40 hours of my week that I'm spending at my job, the commute there and back combined is like an hour and a half. I would work out like three, four times a week. So that's even more hours out of my day to not be by myself and think and reflect and realize something's not right here. When I would come home, I wouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I would just watch TV, make dinner, wait for the day to end so I could go to bed. And I used to have a bunch of hobbies. Like whenever you introduce yourself to people, like at the beginning of this podcast, I'm like, what do I even like? <laughs> I do have hobbies now. But then I I always grew up loving music. Like I said, I played piano, took singing lessons. But in college, I stopped listening to music as much and I stopped singing. And I was just like, oh, maybe I'm growing out of it. Like maybe it's just something I don't care about anymore. I'm just getting older and I grew up playing video games. I'm a Nintendo gal through and through (laughs) and I stopped playing video games. They just weren't fun anymore. I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't sit there for hours on end playing video games. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just growing out of it. I would kind of chalk everything up to growing up, but I had no hobbies. I had nothing that interested me. I just made money and then came home. I don't even know what I spent all my money on because it's all gone now. <laughs> but oh, Boba, I, Boba probably. Yeah. Um. It was just that's one thing I wanted to focus on in talking about this is not having any hobbies or passions in life or any drive to find them is not normal. Like you can be aware of the fact that you don't really do anything fun right now. We're in a pandemic. We're stuck at home. Mm-hmm. But if you don't even have anything that you want to do, like if you don't have anything that you're looking forward to beyond this pandemic, I personally do not think that's normal to just sit around and watch TV all day and just have your mind being numb to everything going on in your real life. That's not normal. And that's how I was living before we were even in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I had the whole world out in front of me. And so in the fall of 2019, I saw an OBGYN for the first time and she's great. And I just found out she's retiring. So I have to find a new one. We don't like that. If anyone who who's in the San Diego area, loves their OBGYN and wants to DM me on Instagram, please do because now <laughs> I need to find a new one. But I went to see her because I was experiencing these hormonal symptoms where I didn't get my period for three months. And I got my period for the first time when I was 12 and had it every 25 days since I was 12 years old to when I was like 20, 21 years old. So that's not normal for me. And I'm like, I feel like I should have gotten my period by now. And there was no chance I was pregnant. Let me say that. <laughs> 
So I was like, I feel like I should have gotten my period by now. I went to see her. I just found her on Google. And I said, I think I have PCOS. I'd seen people talk about it on YouTube and I wanted to take it to a doctor. And we talked about my symptoms. And she's like, I think you do too. And if you want to research it, I'm not going to explain about it now. I'm not a doctor. It's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Feel free to look it up. And basically the only way to treat it to kind of, first of all, get my period again and just like regulate other hormonal things is taking birth control pills, the daily birth control pill. And so I immediately started taking those. I'm like, oh, life is going to get so much better. I hope. No, it did not. Life got so much worse. I was the most anxious I'd ever been in my entire life. I felt like my thoughts were going at a million miles per hour. I couldn't just focus on the work in front of me. And I luckily already had vacation time planned. I was going to go to Hawaii with my family. Mm -hmm. And I will talk about that because I did end up going. Mm -hmm. And so I had time off from work and I left a day early from work because there was this night. I will laugh about it now because I can. So that night it was a Thursday night and I was laying in bed, completely dark in the room, couldn't fall asleep because like I said, my thoughts are going at a million miles per hour. I felt like my breathing was um, elevated. No, elevated. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like my breathing was elevated. I just felt so panicked all the time and it's exhausting where all you want to do is sleep, but you can't. And I was listening to Ocean Eyes by Billie oh, Eilish, no. <laughs> the astronomy remix, yeah. such a vibe. But I had it on repeat and my friend Miley from high school, we follow each other on Spotify. You can see what your followers or what who you're following. You can see who they're listening to on the desktop app. She like texted me. She's like, are you okay? I lied and said yes. I wasn't. I was just trying to use music. I'm like, maybe it'll make me feel better again. Because in high school, music would calm me down. I'd be like singing in my room and dancing around. But it didn't work anymore. I had nothing to help me feel better. I had no outlet to get that energy out. And I... Or no, let me rewind a little bit. So <laughs> Thursday, while I'm at work, I'm so anxious. It's nearing the end of the day. I put off going to work as soon as, or as late as I could because I could work any eight hours between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. That's how long our office was open. And normally I would go in at 7 a.m. so I could leave at 3.30. I put off going to work until I think 10.30 a.m. because I felt so anxious that I couldn't go. Finally forced myself to go. Stayed the whole night. I remember pacing my office. My coworkers that were still there were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just kind of have like this pent up energy right now. And like, I'm just gonna walk in circles. Don't mind me. And I went to the back bathroom I looked in the mirror and I had spent weeks with this anxious feeling in my brain because of the birth control mm -hmm. let me circle back there this was all because of the birth control mm -hmm. and I just look in the mirror and I'm like I can't live like this like I don't want to live anymore and I got so scared because that was my first time having a suicidal thought and I knew a lot of people in my life I'd met a lot of people with depression and anxiety who luckily were very open about it so I knew that it's not good to feel that way if you don't want to live anymore, I hope you have people to reach out to like I do. I was so lucky that I was able to text Chanel. I said, hey, when I get off work, I really need to talk to someone. I really need to ask you some questions. Can I please call you? And I gave her that preface because it's very heavy to put the weight of somebody else's mental health on your shoulders. So I try to advise people, ask your friends first if they're ready to do that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I know sometimes you can't give warning, but I text her. She said, yes, of course. So I call her. I'm walking to my car. And as soon as I get in my car and finally admit to her that I didn't want to live anymore, I just lost it. I was sobbing on the phone with her. I don't think she'd ever seen me cry, let alone hear me cry. Mm -hmm. And I knew she was the right person to call because she had been open about her struggles with me before. And I didn't know what was going on with me. Like my brain was crazy. It just wasn't working the way it was supposed to. And it all came down to the birth control because she had 
told me when her experience with birth, con- mm-hmm. birth control was that it made her suicidal. And I was like, is that what this is doing to me? Like, is it because of that pill? And so I, I was like, you know what? I need to hang up the phone. I need to call my mom. My mom is like my rock. I call her for everything because whenever I need to feel calmed down or I need an answer to a question, (laughs) I don't know what to do. I call my mom. So I called my mom and meanwhile, I'm sobbing in traffic on the 805 freeway. And she's like, are you driving right now? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I just need to get home. And I didn't tell my parents any sort of those depression symptoms aside from in high school with that first depressive episode because I didn't want them to worry about me Mm -hmm. or force me to move home. I wanted to live in San Diego on my own. So this is my first time being completely open with my parents about what's going on. And in college, I did self-medicate with other stuff to make me feel better. And I was finally open about that with my parents. And luckily, my older brother was living at home at the time between his undergrad and going to med school. He was living with my parents. And that night when I told my family that I didn't want to live anymore, Parker came down and picked me up and like that saved my life. He took me back to my hometown and luckily my parents knew a really good, it's a licensed clinical social worker. Like mm-hmm. I think it's LCSW. Yeah. It might be in a different order. Um, He for real saved my life. Like nobody was able to tell me why I felt this numbness and just had no drive in life and was kind of just going through the motions. And that is a horrible way to live life. I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. Like go seek help in any capacity you can. I feel like every person deserves better than what I was going through. It's like no wonder I was suicidal. Who wants to live like that? And so I talked to the social worker about my whole life, my symptoms, what was going on. He just goes, Natalie, you have depression. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because in high school, I saw a therapist for one session after that depressive episode. And Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, it sounds like you have depression, but like you're functioning. So you're okay. And I took that to heart for the rest of my life. I was like, I'm functioning, so I'm okay. Like, I'm existing, so I'm okay. But who wants to just, like, exist? That's Mm -hmm. not the point of life. Like, to just exist? That's so sad and boring and, like, depressing. Hello? And so immediately I got put on medication. And I was scared of the medication, but something I recently told a friend of mine who is experiencing similar symptoms to what I felt, she was jumping ahead of herself and saying, oh, I've heard bad things about medication what if I have really bad side effects what if this what if that and I just go stop you're worrying about something that isn't happening yet and that is the anxiety talking Mm -hmm. like this is just one step to make you feel better you don't have to take it for the rest of your life it you can change the medication you can stop the medication like it's all your own choice but truly truly the medication is what saved me it took a while I did go on that trip to Hawaii. I could barely eat anything. I could barely sleep. I was crying all the time. It's horrible. Um, But I was also going through a lot of things at that point in my life. It wasn't just what I spoke about. And I luckily was with family that whole time. But I was totally wasting such a beautiful... Like, what a beautiful place to be depressed in. You know what I mean? Like, there's no better place in the world to be healing your brain from years of depression and lack of serotonin. And I wish I took better advantage of it, but I was just in no headspace to do so. And when I came home from that trip, I ended up quitting my full-time job. And that's me talking from my privileged perspective, because I know not everyone's able to do that, but I was in no state to go back to work and be giving up 40 hours of my life to somebody else I couldn't do it and the first like six months of being on medication was hard I couldn't sleep through the night because of the anxiety but I worked with a psychiatrist on that and like what works for me and now it's 
like a year and a half since then and I'm doing so great. I'm really, really proud of myself. I've never been more open and honest with people in my entire life about what's going on and also like tell people you care about them, not when it matters, just all the time Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to live anymore and like what if I actually followed through on that and like the people in my life didn't know how much they mean to me. I would, I mean, I wouldn't be alive, but I would be heartbroken if I was alive and I'm so glad that I had people like Janelle and Miley in my life who kept me going and like people like my brother Parker like he's one of my best friends and I'm just lucky that he's my brother so we're like fully entwined for the rest of our lives so (laughs) sorry Parker if you're listening but you have to hang out with me for the rest of your life um and I was finally open with my oldest brother we don't get along super well but he was on the Hawaii trip he heard me scream crying in my room and his then fiance now wife I was open with her about everything and I could kind of see her starting to open up to me after that and that's why I talk about it because once you open that door of communication with people once you're really open with them about your own struggles people tend to reciprocate and I know it's scary to open up to people definitely be careful about who you're sharing things to like I wouldn't do it to a coworker by any means but on a personal level like it's changed my relationship with so many people because I don't just give them a fraction of who I am I give them everything mm-hmm. I don't have the energy to hide it anymore I don't want to and I have nothing to be ashamed of with my mental health status um unfortunately a lot of people go through what Janelle and I have gone through and the more open we are about it the more resources people are aware of to get help so there's like better help there's that that's an app to speak with a I think they're just called counselors um they are professionals I've never used it before but it is a resource out there a lot of times your school will have resources for it even just researching symptoms and kind of getting a label for it people love labels in all facets of life (laughs) and for me when I had the label of like major depressive disorder I felt like I had a building block to go off of from there because I knew what to look out for I knew what was the symptom of my depression and wasn't just like how I should live my life and from then on music it's like listening to those okay growing up I loved Taylor Swift and Paramore so listening (laughs) to the riot era of Paramore again it's like hearing it for the first time it's like being 10 years old again it's magical being on antidepressants and listening to music (laughs) and then I started playing video games again I was willing to try new things I learned woodworking over the pandemic which I never thought I'd be able to do but my dad helped me do that I just got really creative and was not I'm not afraid of putting myself out there anymore if I look like an idiot who who cares like if somebody's sitting there judging me you know that's on them I judge people whatever <laughs> I don't want to spend my life doing it and I hope they don't spend their life judging me but you know you just gotta do whatever you want and screw the people who tell you not to like put yourself out there if you're trying to apply for a job that seems scary but you want to try it do it if you want to I don't know start an Etsy store for something that you love making why not just do it just oh my god please put yourself out there like I wasted so much of my life being afraid I made so many big choices in life based off of fear like I changed where I went to high school out of fear of changing clothes in a locker room how sad is that like granted I was what 14 you know yeah (laughs) you can really trust a 14 year old to make a great educated decision but I just feel like I'm in such a better place in life and everybody in my life has seen it like they tell Mm -hmm. me like wow you seem so much happier even like talking over the phone because when this pandemic started I was at my parents place so I had to stay connected with my San Diego people and they're like you just sound so much happier and I genuinely was I wasn't putting on a front like Janelle was there for all that 
So <laughs> if you're listening and Janelle's your friend, count yourself very lucky. She's Aww. very special. I don't know where I would be without her. Oh. I hope I touched on everything I wanted to talk about. Um, I was thinking about writing speaking points for this, but I'm like, I think I just need to let it just let flow, it go, and yeah. I can I go on my tangents, so I just bring it back to what I meant to talk about. But yeah, don't be afraid of getting help. There's resources out there. Don't worry about the future quite yet. Like when you're finding those resources, if you're scared of going to therapy for the first time, if you're scared of taking medication for the first time, luckily the human experience is not as unique as we think. Mm -hmm. People have gone through it before and will go through it again. Just be patient with yourself and lean on your friends every once in a while. I'm really proud of Natalie. Like just being here in this room with you and just seeing you talk about your journey but then smiling through it all like it it was a journey being with Natalie because I still clearly remember that night when you called like you literally texted me if you could talk to me and then you asked me if it was about the pills and then when you called me that's when you started crying and you were right like that was the first time I've seen you or even just heard you cry and like it made my heart break because I knew you were you weren't feeling well but I didn't know to what extent so when you broke down and cried and you shared what was going on in your mind all I could think about was I really hope that she finds the place to just be happy like I hope she ends up becoming like more joyous again and then just seeing you be proactive in figuring out what works for you and then seeing where you are now like I feel like yeah like you've just progressed upwards and even though we both know that anxiety and depression never go away because you and I have those days where we're just not feeling it Mm -hmm. but for you to just be where you are right now to be so happy to be into these hobbies for you to have Luna and like the joy that you have when you talk about Luna and how we have this garden together which we're still gonna work on because we're kind of shy about coming back from the garden (laughs) it's a little intimidating (laughs) but gardening's really fun yeah we're a little intimidated because of the squirrels but to see you just so happy like it's so true you speak with more joy you smile more and even when you're not okay you address that you're like I'm not feeling well let's just not hang out today or I'm not feeling well but this is what I'm gonna do to feel better I like that you communicate that with me because obviously like I don't know what's going on in your head and for you to be able to share that with me like what you said it makes me feel more encouraged to be vulnerable about my mental health I know you witnessed my journey before I witnessed yours yeah and my journey was a whole freaking best like like it really was I remember like Natalie and I were friends first through work and then when you joined APO we became best friends and it was in that journey like you were pledging but you knew everything that I was yeah you knew all the behind the scenes you knew the drama you knew my stresses and then like when everything came crashing down like you saw me just like cry and like not go to work and and Janelle felt bad I remember her calling me and be like I don't want to ruin your pledging experience yeah I was just like I don't care like you were my friend before we joined this organization and that's what made me cry even more because I was like damn she's really like still here for me and then my first my first like breakup like that story like the first people I went to I literally the first people I literally called was you and Lily and I remember crying and just sounding so stupid crying you did not sound stupid I just sounded heartbroken yeah of course you are just looking back at I just think it's funny because I was like super heartbroken (laughs) But, but yeah like I remember crying to Natalie and Lillian for like the longest periods of time like I like similar to Natalie I just was unmotivated I was uninspired I was doing things but I wasn't happy 
I left. I quit my job because I was just. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, that phone call. I, I was, was at my parents' place. I'm like, Mom, my friend just quit her job. I don't know, like, if I advised her well. Because <laughs> yeah, she was so unhappy. I'm like, okay, if you don't want to be there, just leave. Yeah, because I remember, like, I was going through that heartbreak, but then I was also just, like, naturally just going through my depressive anxiety yeah. mode. And that and- job was not a good match for Janelle. Like, yeah. It was a nonprofit, but their priorities were not about the nonprofit. It was yeah. very weird. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I remember complaining to Natalie about it. And then I remember Natalie was like just do what makes you feel right and then literally five minutes later I was like all right I'm quitting and then I just walked out and quit (laughs) so yeah like if I quit jobs it's it's for a real reason but yeah yeah. it's like those scary moments when you're making those really big decisions it wasn't a decision out of fear it was a decision based off of like you knew in your heart that was not right for you yeah and it eventually led you that experience gave you the job you have now Mm -hmm. because you've worked in the nonprofit sector before and like you have the professional experience you didn't know that job was out there it's Mm -hmm. not like you quit it knowing like oh I'm gonna apply for this job that I will love you didn't know you were it was scary but it wasn't a decision out of fear Mm -hmm. you made a decision out of what you knew what was best for you yeah and honestly I wouldn't have been able to make these kinds of bold decisions if it wasn't for you and Lily and I feel like that's why when people call me like the queen of power moves it really originated from first it just originated from Lily memeing on me (laughs) but then it really grew because from you two because every time I felt like there was a roadblock in my life I would always talk to you about it whether it was like I'm going through the depressive state I feel heartbroken or like I'm just unmotivated like you were one of the people I would always talk to about it but then you never made it feel like me repeating my stories was tiring to you you always kept asking me like okay well how are you going to move forward or you know what that's not making you happy Janelle or that's not okay Janelle like you were the person that was my sounding board but also my anchor in realizing that it's okay for me to not be okay but it's not okay for me to stay this way yeah and you kept redirecting me and like okay Janelle like you can be sad but what are you gonna do now and every power move I've made it was because you helped give me the courage to make them so that's why when people are like queen of power moves I'm like yeah but if it wasn't for like Lily and Natalie and like (laughs) all the people motivating me I really would not be where I am right now so like that's why I'm like really happy for the friendship that you and I have because after all these years we've just remained best friends and it's not like the kind of best friends that have to talk every day it's like we literally just occasionally send snapchats throughout the day yeah and you deleted snapchat for a while and yeah I'm like, how do i talk to you <laughs> so funny because i deleted it without telling anybody yeah. and then out of nowhere natalie texts me and then lily texted me too like separately and then you were both were like did you just delete snapchat and i was like yeah why you're like Oh, because I was going to send you something through our group chat, yeah, but like, you're then, not like, there. I was like, the label is still there, our group name, but why is only Lily in it? You're like, what happened? And not I that like, I don't love you, Lily. I truly do. We but love Lily. It was like, why is there a group of two people? It's not a group. That's just a Snapchat. <laughs> and then I was just like, yeah, I'm just tired of Snapchat. And then I got bored and I was like, you know what? I miss just sending random pictures to people. So yeah. I re-downloaded it, but I only added certain people. I was like... I think the one lesson that I learned too from Natalie's experience is always, it's kind of like, it's okay to want to open up your life to people, but in those precious moments or like in those intimate moments, you don't want everyone to have access to you. Mm-hmm. When I came back, it was the reality like, you know what, I'm going to come back, but intentionally still be vulnerable about my life. But it's only with the very close people like Natalie or Lily or now my partner where like you will know the nitty gritty details. Mm-hmm. Like even with this podcast, we're being vulnerable, but in order to protect ourselves and our energy, we're not going to dive super deep into the intricate details 
of our lives just because there are just some things that are better kept to ourselves yeah yeah so you don't have to share everything but i am open to being a sounding board for anyone that Mm -hmm. needs it a friend of mine who i reconnected with for something on a professional level we were having a zoom conversation and she was just asking me like oh what's been going on with your life because we hadn't talked in probably a year and i was like oh yeah so i was wildly depressed but now i'm on medication and i'm all better I, I expanded on that. That was just a simplification. But she was like, wait, can you talk about that a little bit more? And I was just explaining how I felt. She's like, I'm feeling that way right now. Mm. And just like asking me questions and advice. And I will always be open to being a sounding board to people. Like obviously ask permission to talk to me. Don't just like send me a giant Instagram Come out of DM. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be like, uh, who are you? I'm not prepared for this. But, but like if anyone needs help who's listening, who knows me or like wants to reach out, I... I'm totally open to talking about it, but I'm not just going to be like somebody say, oh, good job. Proud of you. I'm going to say like, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Like, how are you going to help yourself? It doesn't stop at just asking for advice. It means like you should go seek help. Like if you broke your arm, I wouldn't tell you to just like wait for it to get better. I'd say go see a doctor. Do you have to think about it like that? Like my brain was a little broken, so I needed to go see a doctor and I did and I'm feeling better. Like you have to take that step to make yourself better. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, with friendships, when you mentioned it in the beginning of, like, how it's okay to outgrow friendships or, like, you become closer to people, I think that's why with our friendship, it just, I knew that our friendship was going to be life, like, lifelong. Like, mm-hmm. our friendship is, like, ride or die. Like, we're going to be friends no matter what. Even if, like, <laughs> yeah, like, we're even Because we've already done the thing where if we don't talk for, like, a month, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. And it's just, like, we've been through, like, the super down moments we we communicate to each other when things are like awkward or like when we feel uncomfortable but yeah like with that particular thing it's just like I know that there are some people who don't feel comfortable when they're in that depressive or anxious state and someone tells them to like get up or do something or you know what I know you're depressed but you still need to do something I know some people don't receive that well because you know like when you're in that state you don't want you don't want to but for me like as a person I need that push because if someone's just gonna coddle me and be like you know what you can just stay in bed for the next two months and not do anything like that's fine or if someone's just like you know what you don't want to get up today okay like to me it's like, just like for one day that's okay yeah, but i'm but not gonna let you do it for like a weeks whole, like, months on yeah end. because to me it's just like the longer it happens it's just more so like it's like the longer you do that it's like i start feeling like no one cares you know yeah. and sure like it's like tough love and that shit kind of like it kind of hurts because <laughs> when i don't want to get up and someone tells me to get up i get pouty and i'm like i don't want to <laughs> get up but you motivating me to just be like, okay, Janelle, like your feelings are valid, but get up. Or yeah. okay, Janelle, like you've been sad, so put yourself out there. Especially with this whole dating thing. Yeah. I remember I was so uncomfortable because I only downloaded Bumble for like Bumble BFF because you know our other friend was doing it too. <laughs> and then I was just like, okay, like there's like I'm gonna go do the Bumble dating. And Natalie was the one who's just like, because I was kind of ashamed at first because that's not normally my vibe. And yeah, Natalie. just date different guys. But like. Yeah, Natalie was like, you know whatever. what, you know, like just put yourself out there. Like you don't have to commit or like, you know, it's just an experience. It's just like, what's so bad about putting yourself out there? And then the moment I did, and I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna, fuck it, just gonna do it. Yeah. And then <laughs> boom, I met the person who's my partner now. So it's yeah. like, I think it's so true. Like, with our friendship, the reason why it works is because we still validate our experiences and our emotions, but we care enough and love each other too much to just see us struggle. I know that Janelle always deserves better. I know I deserve better than that. I think 
any human deserves better than that. So that's why I'm saying like, if you want to reach out and talk about it with me, I'm completely open to it. All my social media is public, so I have nothing to hide. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna push you. I'm not gonna coddle you. And it's scary, but it's like, I, I know how to get through it because I've been through it. And like I said earlier with the high school friendship where it's like totally okay to grow out of those friendships, Janelle and I luckily met at a point in our lives where we had kind of gone through a lot of experience that helped us grow into the people we are currently, but we did that apart before mm -hmm. we knew each other versus it's hard to keep friendships going sometimes that you've had for so long because they've seen you at all your different growth points and they might not like who you grow and change to be, mm -hmm. but it's not your job to please everyone. So maybe that one girl in high school was just growing up and growing out of me and I didn't want to see it and that was a really hard pill to swallow, but that's just how life works. And luckily, you're going to, whenever like people, if you're listening and you're in college and it sounds scary to leave all your friends, that's part of life and you will make new friends. Like I watch a lot of YouTube, I watch a lot of vloggers and they talk about how they meet some of their, who they feel like are their best friends for the rest of their life when they're like 25 years old. Some when they're 30 years old, like you're older. So that's just something to look forward to, honestly. Yeah. Like I'll kind of think like, oh, I'm really excited to get older because I get to meet new people. Like who knows who I'm going to meet? Like I'll fall in love again. I'll get my heart broken again. I'll make new friendships, lose old ones. Like that's just kind of life. And it's to me exciting. To some yeah. people scary. To me, I'm really excited. Yeah, no, that's what it's like for, for post-grad, like post-grad life or even if you don't attend college, but like once you are over that 21 phase, like mm -hmm. that 21 year old phase, because when you're 21, pre-pandemic or post-pandemic, all you want to do is just drink and have fun yeah. go to the club go to raves because trust me i did that like that was that was, was our phase it was fun it was a fun ass phase but once you're over that 21 year old hump you start realizing like now what yeah and then sure like college is great or like experiences before you're 20 like are fun and the people who are there are fun but as you get older you start kind of recognizing what you really want in life who you really want to be around and i like what you said i feel like the friendships that you have when you're older I'm not going to discredit the lifelong friendships that we had like the yeah. childhood friendships we had but like when we make friendships when we're older it just feels more solid because like what you said with us we were able to just come as we are like we didn't have to hide anything mm -hmm. we didn't have to impress one another to stay friends it was more like hey I got baggage and you're like <laughs> I got baggage too and it's like okay let's just unpack it together yeah. and let's Let's fix it together. That's that's it. That's like how our friendship works. Yeah, and I love it. Wherever you are in life, like maybe you don't have friends right now. And I know that's like really hard in a pandemic. Like a really close family friend of mine, I consider a sister. She's just really unhappy with where her life is right now. And she's in college. And it's so hard when we're in a pandemic. And it's yeah. so hard to stay positive. Yeah. So freaking hard. It like feels fake almost to be positive right now. But, like, life will move on. At the end of the day, everything will pass. And it's, like, if you're not happy with the friends you have right now, you truly never know who you're going to meet in life. Especially if you're brave enough to, like, move out of state like she did. Shit, that's hard. <laughs> that's the whole power like, move Like, I've there. stayed in Southern California my whole life. But, like, you really never know who you're going to meet and, like, what life things you're going to go through. And, like, you'll just... I don't know, you might be unhappy with where you are now, but nothing's ever forever. And that also is the same if you're, like, really happy with where you are right now. Nothing ever lasts forever. 
So like the anxiety part of me would always worry about the future Mm -hmm. and the depressed part of me would always be stuck in the past and I could never appreciate what was right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I say like, if you really care about someone, just tell them, like, if you really love someone, make sure they know it because I don't know, whatever situation you're in right now, it's not going to last forever. Good or bad. It's just not. That's life. And I want to give an honorable mention, shout out. I have a lot of platonic soulmates in my life. I'm very lucky. Even if I didn't mention you by name, I know who you are, where you are, but especially my friend Megan, we met during pledging and she is again, one of the first people I ever saw be really vulnerable about struggles in her life that are like similar yet different from me. And we just talk all the time because our interests kind of mirror each other because it's like as soon as one person gets interested in something the other one does like your plants <laughs> yeah like she started getting into plants and I'm like maybe I'll get into plants and then I started listening to Blackpink and like <laughs> she's starting to listen to Blackpink and it's really fun um but just her innate positivity and her kindness and her compassion really changed the type of person that I am I used to think I'm really self-aware and like I have everybody's perspective I will never have everyone's perspective like she really changed me to like just be kinder, more compassionate, and more open to people. And yeah, we judge people. We love the chisme, <laughs> you know? We, we're hella chismosa, but dang, she's so nice. Like, she'll give anybody the time of day. Yeah. Like, she has so much room in her heart for other people, and I don't. So I really admire that in her. And she knows it. I told her. We had a Galentine's dinner, me, Janelle, and Megan. Yeah. So she's aware, but. I just want to make sure the whole world knows. She's awesome. Megan's a freaking sweetheart. Like, she's just too kind for the world. And if anyone tries to, like, burst her bubble, we're going to come out for you. Because you cannot hurt Megan. 100%. Like I said, I played softball. I can swing hard. Okay? And, like, I just know how to fight. So, like, it works. (laughs) It works out. Um... But yeah, that's kind of my story. Like I said, if anybody wants to reach out to me on social media, it's all public. It's all Natalie Jadwin or NP Jadwin. Or How something. do you spell it, Natalie, oh, for those who can't, you um, know? N-A-T-A-L-I-E. J-A-D-W-I-N. <laughs> That's just my full name. Um, I don't use, I don't post on Instagram that much. Uh, that was one of my goals with like my mental health journey with, mm-hmm. as part of putting myself out there more. I like completely archived all of my old stuff because I've had an Instagram since I was like 14, I think. So there's some old stuff on there. I posted a couple things. I just, it, I halted it when the Black Lives Matter movement got really prominent because mm-hmm. I didn't want to take up space. Like, I know people were posting those black squares, but like, guys, that's just taking up space where black voices can be heard. So mm-hmm. please stop doing that. Um, just uplift voices of others. That's my uh, social justice warrior coming out for a half minute. Woo, yes. Um, but I post on my story about plants and DIYs and my cat and yeah, mainly plants. Um, <laughs> if you ever want to be a plant friend, let me know. I have lots of expertise to share. I think about plants too much. <laughs> And she can help you make DIY shelvings for them. Yeah, I have a drill and a sander, so I can pretty much build anything. (laughs) All right, well, thank you so much, Natalie, for being on this podcast. And thank you so much to everyone who's listening to you. I know this was a bit heavy, but I hope that by listening to this episode, you feel less alone with your mental health journey. Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for allocating time in your day to listen to this episode. I look forward to sharing another story of mine in the next episode. Stay tuned, and in the meantime, I hope you have a relaxing and productive day.